What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined, as always, by David Lake. David, I think people have anticipated this news as, as, as coming at some point, but it's the end of an era, man. Um, I have to start off this podcast by saying this is my final through the smoke where I'll be hosting it. Um, and I'm moving on to other things with my role. So this will be the final one, but I still plan to, you know, be a regular on the podcast. And I think the podcast isn't going anywhere. Is it right? No. Yeah. We're, we're going to keep it rolling. Um, first off, you know, just want to say from my end, I've really enjoyed doing it with you and, uh, you know, building it out. I think it's been what, maybe two years we've been doing it. And uh, I'm still amazed by the growth, the numbers, our podcast generates, the analytics, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it was kind of your baby, your idea. And I've, I've really enjoyed doing it with you. So I'm grateful to you for kind of making me do it. And (laughs) I enjoy doing it with you. So but anyways, I mean, I guess for people who maybe aren't aware, I'm sure people are aware, but you're, you're transitioning on to a, a more national or, or regional Southeast recruiting role. And so that means you have other responsibilities and we, I wish you luck with that stuff. And yeah, we're definitely still going to have you on and all that stuff when we need to tap into some recruiting juice and, and evaluations and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, here, here through the smoke, we're going to keep it rolling. So um, I will, I guess I will try and assume the Andrew Ivan's role <laughs> and we're going to have, it's going to be me and Chris stock who we start. I started inside the U with back in the day. We'll also have Gabby Urutia on regularly uh, to talk recruiting uh, when we want to do that and you. And so, yeah, we're, it'll be a different show of course. Um, but I still think, at the core, we're going to have fun talking canes. Right. And, yeah. uh, so, so stick with us. We're going to, we're going to transition here. And, uh, I think the plan right now is the first show to be with, with me and Chris, uh, Thursday or Friday. And, uh, you know, with, with spring football right around the corner, we're going to be hitting it two times a week. So, um, it'll be a good time to kind of jump into things and, and start talking, Canes football for the upcoming 2021 season. So again, just, I've enjoyed doing this with you and, uh, you know, we're definitely going to still have you on. We're not going to be strangers. Yeah. I, it's almost sad. You almost bring a, a tear to my eye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've done like 150 or so episodes and I do thank everyone who's ever listened or subscribed or left a review or tweeted at me or messaged me. I mean, you guys have helped me grow and acquire a skill like when this thing started i had zero clue how to even tape a podcast i think we've did multiple episodes or multiple editions of episodes at the (laughs) infant stages and it's kind of just grown and and david you know working with you like i think a lot of people think we tape um together like in person and that's not true i mean this is all done online like we don't even have a video going on like and i just think me and you gel so well 
And like, we've developed a friendship through this whole thing. And sure, it's been cool. I mean, I loved when we went up to, to Clemson, that was a lot of fun, but yeah, man, this is, it's been a fun ride. And you know, it's like, not something that like I hate or anything like that. I mean, there's times where it's like, oh, I gotta do this damn podcast, but I've really, really enjoyed it. And I'm going to miss that, that void or like just the weekly conversation. Like, I don't know yeah, what's it's next. Fun. Yeah. Like, I don't know what 247 has planned for me or, you know, if, if they're going to start a new podcast, I, I've been kind of thinking about it, some ideas in my head of something else I might do outside of the network. But yeah, man, like I just, unfortunately the career path is, is moving me along and I can't be the guy that's hosting the Miami hurricane show anymore. And sure, uh, you know, it sucks, but you know, it was fun. And I, like you said, I, I'm sure I'll be back on, on some points to talk recruiting. Like I'm not going anywhere. I still live down here and we'll still be chiming in, but on to bigger, I, I don't know about better, but definitely bigger things. <laughs> yeah, definitely a, a bigger recruiting pool. You're going to be following now. Um, yeah. So enough with the sappy stuff. We do got kind of a loaded show here planned, uh, plenty of juice to get to. Where do you want to start? Well, let's talk about what we're going to do in the show. So uh, I think on the front end, we are going to discuss kind of the latest Miami recruiting. You know, you said you and Chris are going to talk about the team and all that, get you everyone geared up for fall camp in a little bit. So I thought we'd maybe kind of unload the notebook a little bit mm-hmm. when, when it comes to Miami in, in 2022 recruiting. Then we'll take a break. And then on the back end, um, so many people have asked for this and it's, <laughs> I, it's taken a while. And like, I don't, I, I don't think people understand. Like I just, I've been busy. It's, it takes time to put all this stuff together with, with rankings and, and travel, but I'm gonna, you know, share some untold stories from that 2021 recruiting cycle. So the, the class that Miami just signed, I'm going to try to remember as much as I can. Uh, I'll probably maybe forget some things, but that'll be like my farewell, I guess. So love it. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's start at the top. Um, 2022 recruiting. I guess this was over the weekend. Um, Miami yeah. picked up two notable crystal ball forecasts, none for me, but from my, my colleague, Steve Wiltfong, um, two of them. So both actually for kids that are in Georgia, the first, uh, Steve flipped his forecast from Florida to Miami for uh, four-star quarterback Ja'Curry Brown. I used to say top two, four, seven quarterback, but uh, he, he's kind of trended a little bit back in our rankings, which is fine. I, I still think everyone thinks he's a very talented prospect. Um, I don't know about maybe one of the top 10 or 12 signal callers in the country, but he, he's talented. Uh, and David, I mean, you've been ahead of this really from the jump. It seems like Miami's in a really, really good, favorable position for Ja'Curry. Um, I guess we're already in the spring. So like heading into spring slash summer. Yeah. I think, you know, in the last podcast, I kind of hinted that a, uh, uh, do you call it an unofficial visit? I don't even know what to call it now during this COVID dead period time, but I guess I'm just waiting for them to add like the feature into the 24 seven sports database, (laughs) like unofficial, unofficial visits on the timeline. Right. So he wants Jakari wants to come down, right, uh, and and spend time around my the city of Miami, the city of Coral Gables, the campus, all that stuff. Now, you know, if you follow recruiting, you do know that it is that the dead period is still going on. So that means he can't have any interaction with coaches. Uh, 
So there is that, but he can still do his own thing. Coaches can still like call him and be like, Hey, why don't you walk to this spot on campus? Or, you know, they, they can communicate, I guess, electronically, or, uh, but can't have face-to-face contact on campus, etc. So I think that visit is in the works. I, I think there is a rough date. I don't think it is set enough to report on yet, but I think, you know, sometime March, maybe early April, that visit will happen. And I think if it does happen, things are going to accelerate quickly, assuming everything goes well with Jakari on that visit uh, with, with those two kind of with, with Jakari ending up in the class. Right. I think he, all the signs point to, he is the quarterback Miami wants. Uh, all the signs from Jakari's side point to, you know, Miami is showing him the most consistent attention. And so I think, uh, you know, there's a marriage there that is coming together. And uh, we'll see if, if that visit does end up happening. I think it will. Um, but again, I don't, I don't feel comfortable yet reporting on a official date that it is going to take place at this point. Yeah. So I can chime in. I've heard the same. A visit should happen. I don't know when. Um, but I would anticipate at some point, probably in March, Yes, uh, that it that it goes down. Um, he absolutely is the guy that Miami has circled. I know a few months ago it was unclear who was at the top of the board. Really, you know, there was a few different names in there, but it seems like uh, Jakari or you is it Jakari or Jakari? I I think it's Jakari. Okay, Jakari. I, I think he has um, separated himself from the rest of the pack. It's like. If you ever watch cycling like the Tour de France on on TV, oh, like yeah. you, know, you you got your 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 big pel or what is that the peloton? Yep. Yeah, yep. and then he he's in that he's in that first he's out in front, and, and I don't even think there was a breakaway. You know, someone trying to trying to reel him in right now. He's just kind of the guy out in front, and you know, I mentioned he he shuffled back a little bit in the rankings, and that that primarily has to do with the fact that. Um, a lot of people on the 24 seven sports recruiting team just want to kind of see him improve as a passer. And, um, I was talking to someone in Coral Gables a a few nights ago and we're just discussing him as a prospect. And it it was mentioned to me that Miami doesn't have anything like him on the current roster. Once Derek King leaves, they don't really have a guy that's going to be able to take over a game with his legs and and Jakari is really, really good at that. When we were at that Wintersville classic, um, Valdosta versus Lowndes, man, I think he ran for over hundred yards, had some long, long touchdown runs. So they like that. And, and the point person pointed out like his, his a plus throws are like excellent a plus throws. That means he can get there as a passer. It's just going to take some time and he's not going to be, you know, you got to remember Tyler Van Dyke's ahead of him. Uh, Jake Garcia's ahead of him. So I think in the ideal world, you get him into David Feely's strength program. I mean, he's a legit 6'4". Yes. Um, you know, I don't want to use like that Cam Newton comparison, but he's going to be a monster. And I think you could use him in certain packages and, and then just kind of roll with him. So that's why I think he's so attractive to Miami right now because it's a little bit different than what they're going to have in that quarterback room. I'll say this. Just real quick in terms of Jakari's ability, and it is, to me, it's exciting to think about if he does maximize his potential, right? And that means for him uh, making improvements 
as a passer to be consistent in that area. If he does that, it's going to be, it's going to be very intriguing to watch him lead the offense because he's the type of quarterback where defenses will have to account for him as a runner. And so that means they're going to have to slide. They're going to have to put eight people in the box to stop him as a run threat. Now, what does that mean for him as a passer? It means he will have easier opportunities as a passer, most likely a lot of one-on-one situations with the receivers. So if the receivers can get open and he can deliver those balls on a consistent basis, the game is going to be easy for him. Now, he still needs to progress as a passer and get there. Um, but I think he has the mindset where he understands that. And I think he has the work ethic to get there. But yes, as you alluded to, it is going to be, it's going to take some time. He is going to be a project, but I think the ceiling of Jakari is, is very high and I'm, I'm totally here for it. If Miami wants to make him their 2022 quarterback, I think it makes sense. I mean, I, I haven't dug into every 2022 quarterback but i do i would guess that he has one of the higher ceilings yes. in, in the class um yes something that i guess is tying into all of this uh which is a, i think this is a first for me uh, on the miami beat i don't know because i know miami had some multi-sport athletes before my time um but on Wednesday, so we're taping this Thursday, March 2nd. On, on Wednesday, March 3rd, depending on when you're listening to this, Cade Martin is, is going to be announcing a commitment. Cade is the son of T. Martin. He's a 24-7 sports composite four-star quarterback out of Knoxville. Um, has a top four of Miami, Arizona State, Oregon, and I can't remember. Oh, Tennessee, but he told me Tennessee – Hasn't really talked to him. Um, I can, I, I, from what I've gathered, there's a good chance he could be picking Miami, but it would be for baseball. Um, he's a really, really good baseball prospect. I think perfect game, uh, which you know they basically do what 24/7 Sports does for football kids. They do it for for baseball. They have him graded out as like a 10 out of 10, which is uh, wow. essentially you know elite college prospect could get drafted early. Um, so he's really good. And we know Miami's baseball team's good. Um, and the baseball staff wants him. So from what I understand, you know, there's a chance he could commit to Miami on Wednesday. Uh, but the people in Coral Gables, I know and, and talk with, they want to make it very clear. Like he is not the priority at quarterback. The priority at quarterback for Miami is to Curry Brown. And, um, I guess we should maybe dive into the logistics of all this and where his scholarship would be counted, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I I am curious what that means too. Just, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but what would that mean for like recruiting rankings? <laughs> we have not crossed that road yet. I've been I've been trying to figure that out as well. Um, so, from my understanding, Miami, if 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 he's going to pick Miami for baseball. They want that to count as a baseball scholarship, and I was in the in the weeds and in the NCA legislator the other night reading it on my phone at like midnight. My girlfriend's like, "What are you doing?" Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to like I'm like trying to like find the section, uh, and apparently, 
I don't know how accurate this is, but I think he could be a full-time baseball guy, still practice with Miami's football team, and not be counted on a, a football scholarship unless he were to actually appear in a game. So, I mean, he, he could be a scout team guy. I mean, this is what someone else told me as well, like that would know. Okay. Um, so I think Miami is open to that. Like they're saying, hey, if this, you know, composite four-star quarterback wants to come be, you know, our, our fourth or third string guy and, and throw it around and, hey, heck, maybe he becomes the number two, then they're for it. But uh, the understanding would be in the spring, he's with the baseball team. Um in the most offseason things, he's with the baseball team. So we'll see what happens. I I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, you bring up a good point. Like, he's the number 10 dual threat quarterback, uh, according to the composite. I'm not sure who has him so high. I think we at 24-7 <laughs> Sports probably have him where he should be. You know, he played on that ESPN game against um, Dion's high school team at the time or where he, whoever he was calling plays. And I thought it was kind of a mixed outing. Uh, but it would be certainly interesting. And I guess, you know, if he counted towards your composite, that would be pretty big. Let me say too, from, from the Jakari side of things, what would this mean? The, the impression I'm under is, is kind of, they would, they're, they're aware of this and it doesn't impact anything with Jakari that they're Jakari's camp. And I would assume this means Jakari feels the same way is confident that, you know, he, Caden Martin wouldn't necessarily be a threat to beat out Jakari, right? They're, they're, the, the sense I got is, yeah, Caden Martin's future is in baseball. So this wouldn't necessarily impact how Jakari looks at Miami is, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, heck, like this kid might not even end up at Miami. He could be drafted, correct? Right, right. So yeah, I mean, there is that too. If he gets picked high, and gets thrown a lot of money, he probably doesn't even play college baseball. It's going to make for a fun Wednesday. Let me tell you that. <laughs> what? Okay. Let me ask you this. Like, what are your impressions of him, of Caden Martin as a football player? Oh, he's, you know, I think kind of like one of those run first guys. Um, okay. Don't love the interception to touchdown ratio. I think it was like nine to six as a, um, as, as a, a junior, sorry, I want to say sophomore for some reason, but he's a guy who can extend plays. Like, I don't like, I mean, this is such an easy, like layup comp, but he's kind of like Malik Rozier, right? Okay. Okay. Like, like that's what I see. Yeah. Which, you know, is a borderline starting quarterback, you know, as an older guy at the power five level, maybe right. Like Rozier or Rozier had his faults. Sure. But he also, he had that one season where he did put up decent numbers and led Miami to 10 wins. So um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, again, it's kind of like a layup one, but I do think it fits. Um, but Hey, if the shoe fits like, you know, roll with it. Uh, one more crystal ball pick that did go in um, on Saturday. Again, this is from Steve Wiltfong. I know Gabby Arudia has also written about this kid. I didn't know much about this kid. I was at the beach on Saturday and someone did text me. They're like, Hey, uh, this kid just ran a 10.73 in the 100 meter dash, which I th- I believe is the fastest time this track season in Georgia, and it's uh the kid's name is Isaiah Bond. He is um, from Beaufort High School in Georgia, which is where Jess Simpson, Miami's new defensive line coach slash old defensive line coach, coached before he made the jump and then went to the Falcons. 
Um, David, you put on this kid's tape. He's a two-way player, helped his mm-hmm. team win, win a state title. He's got some wheels. And uh, I, like I said, I know Steve put that pick in. I've heard Miami would take this kid. Um, they like this kid. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, one of maybe five wide receivers that would have the green light to commit right now. I just, I do think it's a little interesting that they're going across state borders, but I've been hinting for a while now that I think it's a, a down year in state when it comes to the wide receiver position. So I texted you, uh, you know, when this, when this crystal ball was put in, um, Okay, well, I think we should say on the front end, he in the 24-7 database, he is a corner, right? But but Miami does like him as a as a receiver, correct? Yeah, that's on me, man. That's on me, coach. <laughs> he, so, I just I didn't get to him in in our audit of 2020. No, no, no. No, I'm just, you know, people will go Google his name and, and take a look at him. But um but he, I text, did, he did play both ways. We, you guys, yes. I mean, it's not and like he was, plays both yeah. ways. Yeah, he's not a bad corner. I think though his future is at receiver because he does. I texted you the way he moves, um, his size. Um, he does remind me of Philip Dorsett back in the day. Just the way he can hit his top speed quickly, uh, the way he can, you know, get free on his release after two or three steps, he's gone. He's by the the corner. Um, just the way he moves. He reminds me a lot of Philip Dorsett. Um, I, I want to see his size in person, to be honest. Like, I, do you know how accurate his, his height is in the database? Like he's listed at six foot. Um, I don't well, know if well, he is. That number got pulled from a, 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 the national combine, which would have been 13 months ago. So I'm going to assume he's grown a little bit. Okay, good. Cause I, on tape, he looks shorter than six foot to me. But again, it's just tape. So if he is six foot, even better. Oh, check that. He was five nine at the national combine. So maybe he's somewhere between five nine and six foot. Okay. So Philip Dorsett was five ten. Isaiah Bond potentially five ten. Um, to me, they're very similar players. I think the speed. Uh, you take that all day. He's that. He's that slot sized guy that you can line up outside because the speed is so explosive and he does show the body control timing uh, ability to track balls down the sidelines. So I think he's a, I think he's a big time player. I don't know. I think his highlights were were really fun. And uh, if Miami wants to go all in on this dude, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I guess I should say the other receivers I know, or I believe kind of would have a green light. Um, would be Marcus Peterson, who's up at, at Lake City, Columbia. I mean, I don't know if you, you know, Rob Likens hasn't worked with any of these guys. So uh, I know they like him, though. I know they like Quan Lee, who's a kid out of the Gainesville area, another track kid. I think we've discussed him on the podcast yes. in the past. Mm-hmm. Shaz Preston, who's out in, in Louisiana, and then Jaden Gibson, uh, the, the big receiver at Orlando West Orange. It seems like those guys. You know, yes. I don't know if they're at the top of the board, but they're high enough on the board, and the, and the interest seems mutual enough that, like, I think these are going to be the targets this year, or these are the ones. You know, last year it was it was local because there was talent locally. Uh, now they're kind of having to branch out. It seems like this is the pool where it makes the most sense 
from just kind of what I've, what I've heard. I like it. I think all those guys, you've seen most of them, right. And, and they've all checked out, they all make plays. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I I've think... actually, I've actually only seen one of them, um, but I'll see all the other ones like the next two I or three you weeks. Saw Gibson. Did you not see Gibson? I've seen Gibson. I've not seen Quan Lee and I've not seen Marcus Peterson. We you've seen the... Shaz. I've seen Shaz. Yeah. You've seen Shaz. I've seen Shaz. Yeah. I mean, you know, all these guys, at least on tape, they check, they check out as big time dudes. And uh, I, I think it does make sense. You don't want to go outside of South Florida if you don't have to, but I do think Miami kind of has to this cycle. All right. Last thing I got written down <laughs> and I didn't even notice this in, until one of the message board posters on, on inside the U had pointed this out, you know, Miami's crawling along in the class of 2022. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's Matt Miller. I don't know what numbers he's got after him, but he pointed this out and I, I did a double take and I had to check it. You know, Miami hasn't picked up a commitment since August of 2020. It's like eight months yeah. ago in the class of 2022. Which is crazy. Cause we don't see that from Miami. Like typically by March 1st, uh, Miami has a ton of guys committed and the, the storyline, the narrative is, can Miami hold on to these guys? Um, but you've kind of hinted, you know, after this whole COVID season where it's been difficult to evaluate guys cause the in-person stuff isn't happening that Miami was going to take a slow approach. So is that what you think is, is happening? Is that, is that the fairest thing to say, or is it kind of time to push the panic button? I mean, I, I don't think you should panic if you're, if you're Miami, you know, I, I think I'll get this out on the front end. Cause I'm sure I, I still have all these Florida state fans. Anytime I write about them, they think I'm some big Miami Homer. Like <laughs> I think, I think what Florida state is doing right now is, is, is really good. Like their class they yeah. have, I, I, I like a lot of the pieces, you know, they picked up the five-star athlete, Sam McCall over the weekend. Like, no, without a doubt, they are recruiting at a really good level. Um, yes. Miami just seems to be taking a, a more reserved approach. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's time to sound the alarm, to be honest. Like I know when you look at it on the surface, it's sixth in the ACC right now, like 34th nationally. It's like, Whoa. Um, but I was talking with some people and look, man, like I think Miami's kind of like thinking about using some of the, the, the counters they have for that 2020 class. Like they're thinking of using them in the portal for the 2021 season. Like I think that's, okay. that, that's playing a little bit into it. And like, I just don't think they, they want to rush into anything. You've got to remember there's been a ton, a ton, a ton of staff turnover, you yes. know, the offensive coordinator did, you know, not much, actually nothing changed on the offensive side of the ball. Right. Correct. Um, but everything on the defensive side has changed. I don't think, like I've said, and, and I had another power five assistant tell me this, like it's, it's a pretty down year just for skill players in Florida. Like there's just not a, a ton of guys that I think are no brainers, but where it's really stacked up and loaded, we I mean, we keep mentioning defensive line, but just in general with like defensive backs and linebackers, like it's it's stacked, you know. Yes. And that goes from South Florida up to Jacksonville over to Tampa and, and well into the panhandle. Like it, it's loaded. And you got to remember, man, like Miami's changed D-line coaches. They've changed linebackers coaches twice. They changed corners coaches. They changed safeties coaches. So um, I, I think it's taken some time to develop 
those relationships. And I also, like, like I said, like I, I just keep circling back. Like I think Miami, it, until they change those rules, is is saving saving spots for for portal guys. Which, you know, I'm I'm I, I think that's the I'm on record saying I think that's the way to get to the college football playoff. You know, taking 18, 20 guys uh, using five to seven spots in the portal. Like unless you're in Alabama, a Georgia or Clemson, I, I think if you're going to break through, that's that's the path. That's what I believe. Others think differently. So maybe that's what Miami's trying to do. At what time of year do you think it is fair to push the panic button if Miami is like ranked in the 30s on this day? At what time do you think it's fair to be like, all right, what's going on here with Miami's recruiting? Uh, end of June, early July. Okay. Because I think a lot of kids are going to start making decisions. I mean, right now the NCAA's temporary dead period set to it's it's through May. I mean, let's just assume they push it forward. I think most kids are going to be like, "Hey, I'm not taking visits. I got I got to lock in a spot." So we'll see. And you know, one guy we didn't even talk about. Um, there's no crystal ball picks, but uh, a guy who is going to decide in the next month or so is Stranahan linebacker Omar Graham. Um, mm-hmm. kid right down the road for me only played in five games this past season. I know Miami likes him a lot. And from what I've heard, it's a, it's a Miami, um, FSU battle. Maybe I'd handicap it to, to Florida state right now, but you know, what have we noticed, uh, given during, during this dead period, kids tend to stay closer to home. So that's something to keep in mind there, but I guess I'm bringing him up because, you know, let's say they get him. Uh, Jacuri announces at, at some yeah. point over the next couple of months, and then all of a sudden, bam, you got two, and then you get your kind of momentum rolling. So I don't think it's time to panic, but if we get into June or July and like, you know, nothing's really going on, I, I would, you know, not panic, but it's like, all right, you brought in all these recruiters, uh, hired all these recruiters, like, what's, what's going on? I do think the potential is there that if Jakari commits to Miami, late March, early April, I think there is a chance you start to see some skill guys jump on board after him, right? A lot of skill guys want to know who is the quarterback, which makes a ton of sense. If I was, if I was a skill guy recruit, I would want to know who my quarterback is going to be. He has, Jakari is tight with a lot of those wide receivers you mentioned earlier in this podcast. And I think you might see some, some decisions being made if Jakari committed to Miami uh, like I said, late March, early April. So I, I still think there's plenty of time. I get it. Like this is different than what we're used to with, with following Miami recruiting. Um, but I don't think it's, it's quite time to hit the panic button yet. I agree with you on that. Yeah. And, and look, man, maybe they're also banking on winning games in 2021 and yes. And trying to flip guys like, look at this past 2022 cycle. Like, you know, maybe there were some people they wish they hadn't have taken because they could have used those spots on someone else. So you also got to keep that um, in mind. But let's take a break. We're going to open up the notebook on the other side and get into some untold stories from that Ooh. 2021 recruiting cycle. I don't know if it's going to be that exciting, but uh, we'll, we'll talk to you on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, David. Do you want to, like, what run, you got? What, what you, you wanna, got? You want to run? I don't know how to attack this. Like, do you want to run point? Do you want to go position by position or, or what? You tell me how, like, I honestly don't. I have, I'm walking into this clueless like the listener so can you do position by position do you have like yeah i, mean, I if, think if you do I, we could just do it that way quarterback let's, let's go that way all right what you got at quarterback oh man do you remember all right so like where do we start on this quarterback cycle i mean like dan enos recruited it for a little bit <laughs> um i i i, I did j- jot some notes down uh okay you know, I, I think when Rhett initially came on board, he thought he was in a really good spot with Garrett Nussmeyer, who ended up signing with LSU. Right. Um, I'm a believer that things would have been a little different had Nussmeyer had a chance to visit Miami. You know, that, right. didn't, that didn't get to happen. So, you know, that's something that I was, was churning in my head. Um, I think I, I did report this, but was overlooked a little bit you meant you know Miami thought Jalen Milrow was going to visit for their spring scrimmage game whatever that was going to be right. and then COVID-19 happened um so it's funny you know he was committed to Texas flipped to Alabama right. um you know and then I I guess the one consistent in this whole thing was was Jake Garcia you know I don't think there was ever any point until it got and that late November stage, once Jake had decommitted, that like Miami thought he was coming or they had a chance, a, a true legitimate chance at him. I think Miami knew they, they had some traction uh, along the way, and they thought if they couldn't get him, then they would flip someone from the portal or, or, or find someone else. And, you know, things really did get kind of dicey in the 11th hour you know Jake visited Miami for that North Carolina game again we kind of mentioned it during the dead period you can't interact with the coaches you're paying your own way you're sitting in the stands you know it's not a a red carpet treatment and this is one of the first times in my experience like where the product on the field I do think like just left a sour taste you know, I think they're kind of like, whoa, what's going on? And who's, who's they, you know, it's like Jake's camp. Um, right. 
you know, I don't know when exactly Arkansas entered the picture. I, I was kind of under the impression that they were a dark horse because once Jake uh, decommitted from USC, I, I reached out to someone and they told me they're like, you know, watch out for Arkansas and FSU. And, you know, I, I think there was a legitimate, he was thinking about going there. Um, Rhett was able to ease some things over. I will say this, I never wrote this, but uh, when things were up in the air with Jake Garcia, Rhett did make contact with uh, Byrne Morton, uh, a, a top 247 quarterback who is now at Texas Tech, might start for Texas Tech in, in 2021, but he like put out a tweet that he was going to evaluate his options because uh, the, the Red Raiders had changed offensive coordinators. So, you know, Rhett was not shopping around, but starting to figure out his other options. I also know that, or I believe Miami had a conversation or two with Michigan quarterback signee J.J. McCarthy at some point during the fall. And I think that was more of, you know, J.J. kind of, you know, it was it was unclear what was going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I'm not putting it words into sure. any anyone's mouth. Like, I don't want people, like, taking a run with this. I just know that I think there might have been a conversation. And, and what is a conversation that might be an exchange of, like, messages? Um, and obviously, he right. signed with Michigan, and he, too, could start in 2021. But, you know, for all the people that were freaking out about Miami and, you know, like, well, how come they don't have a quarterback? I do think there was – some layers to it and some things going on and, and people were working throughout that whole process. And we kind of hinted at this in one of the podcasts after Jake officially signed with Miami, but the inside the Coral Gables wall inside the Hecht athletic center, they were seriously worried about Arkansas for like a 24 hour period. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Just wild. <laughs> there was some anxiety there, which is crazy to think about because it's Arkansas, but uh, it was not like a slam dunk to Miami, maybe 48 hours out of, of Jake officially signing. So right. it really did come to the wire, come down to the wire. Um, should we move to running back? Let's do it. All right. I mean, there's not really much anything here. Yeah. Um, I know when Thad Franklin recommitted that like caught everyone by off guard. In, mm -hmm. in February. I mean, it caught me like I was like on a plane or something like that. Um, plenty of stories written about how, you know, Thad was looking around. I don't ever think that was serious or, or legitimate, you know, behind the scenes, he was telling Miami all the right things. Uh, Miami was always open to taking a second running back. You know, they liked Amari Daniels, the kid out of Miami central a lot. You know, I, I just think it got to the point where they didn't really want to fight for him. And, and, and that was maybe more of a product of just the number situation um, it, it needs elsewhere. Again, you know, this is what I heard. I don't know how accurate it is, but I do believe there was maybe a conversation or two with Georgia signee Lavoisier Carroll. Um, mm. You know, he was always a long shot though, but again, you know, I get questions all the time or I did, you know, is Miami, is there any surprises? Are they working surprises? Like I, you know, I don't think fans realize how many channels the staff actually is working. And I, I know he was one, he's obviously headed to Georgia. He was at IMG Academy. Um, but that that's a name. And I will say this because this kind of applies to um, 
this kind of applies to another storyline that we talked about in the previous podcast, Cody Brown, the Mm -hmm. running back who signed for Tennessee or signed with Tennessee released from his letter of intent. Uh, He's a guy that was, was very high on Miami's board. Um, One that they've always, always liked. So it's not surprising that they've kind of circled or not circled back uh, on him, but got re-engaged in conversations with him. Do you think just real quick touching on that Mark Anthony Richards uh, transfer portal guy announced he's transferring to UCF. I know you said UCF made things interesting with Cody Brown. Do you think Mark Anthony Richards going there impacts anything with Brown? I do. I mean, I think UCF still wants, wants him. I mean, that's right. You know what I heard from someone coming out of a, out of Orlando, but you know, I, I think it's, it's certainly notable. Okay. You know, in, in Miami's trying to, if they did take Cody Brown, they'd be counting him forward. Right. And I think he would just be Miami's 2022 running back. Right. Like I don't think they would take another running back height from the high school ranks in that 22 class wide receiver. What you got? <laughs> I mean, this is not really, not really much either, you know. Yeah. They kind of got the three they wanted in Romello Brinson, Jacoby George, and Brashard Smith. Um, someone told me that the offensive staff kind of knew right away from the jump that Ja'Cory Brooks was a long shot. Um, so they didn't even invest much time in recruiting him. You know, Jaden Alexis was another local kid that right. they liked. But I think once Brinson, George, and, Com- and Smith all committed, I mean, that was like a two-month span. Um, that kind of closed the door on Jaden Alexis and he ended up signing with Texas. I, I recently learned, I don't even think he played a, a senior season. I think he might've opted out. I mean, I, I would need to be fact checked on that, but I, I was, always, I remember looking for his senior film and I couldn't find it. And then someone um, told me that I, I'm sure people would love to know how Miami like flipped the script with Brinson, George, and, you know, cause those guys were committed to Miami decommitted Smith was committed to Florida. Um, mm-hmm. I just think the easiest answer is the coaches did a good job of, of selling the idea of playing in Rhett Lashley's offense. Right. You know, Rob Likens deserves a ton of credit. You know, he managed to build relationships with those three virtually, you know, guys right. he had never met guys he had never worked with. Um, so it, it was impressive. And I, I wrote this, maybe some people didn't see it or forgot about it, but like Florida definitely tried to make a play. Yeah at Brashard Smith uh, right before that early signing period. I mean, they were comparing him to Kadarius Tooney. Um, you know, I don't think Miami ever felt like there was a possibility he was going to leave, but, uh, you know, they deserve some credit for for hanging on. Tight end. Oof. Tight end. All right, now i got to pull up my notes. That was, that was all good. <laughs> uh, so Miami, they signed one tight end, right? Two. <laughs> oh man why are you gonna do this to me uh elijah Royo and khalil brantley oh two two tight ends yeah you know khalil brantley's recruitment is it's just kind of wild to me i remember i met him when he was like a freshman he was a receiver mm-hmm. um and it, just the way he progressed was was impressive um they always liked him i, I think they knew he wasn't like a, a te1 type and that they needed to get another guy and they cast a wide net of offers uh, initially on. And uh, you know, I knew 
that Rhett Lashley had some type of connection with Elijah Arroyo. I, I wasn't sure, you know, what type of, you know, how strong it was. Um, but yeah, he was a guy that had had some ties at the school. And I think one that they just, they really, really liked, um, you know, if it wasn't, if they didn't get Elijah Arroyo, where would they have gone? I, I'm kind of convinced it would have been Weston Wolf, who's a kid over at, at Venice on your side of the state, ended up signing with Maryland. Reminds me in a lot of ways of, of Will Mallory. I think he caught like over 100 passes the past two seasons. Like I mm-hmm. think he would have been the guy, but, you know, they did, they got a dude. Um, yeah. And, and you know, I, I think there was a time when it was like, where, where is that dude? Who is that dude going to be? Because some of the other tight ends had, had gone elsewhere. Hudson Wolf, I don't know if you remember him. He was a kid out of Tennessee. Yeah. He was going to visit with, uh, what's that offensive lineman's name? Drawing a blank, drawing a blank, drawing a blank. Uh, Eli Sutton. And that never even happened. So, um, you know, not much much to the story there at, at tight end. No, yeah. big, no surprise. It's a big time evaluation, though, because Elijah necessarily wasn't the biggest deal when Miami kind of zeroed in on him. Correct. I, I personally think we had him too low in the rankings. Like I think he should have been higher. I agree. That, but that's me. Offensive line. Anything there? You know, there was contact with with JC Latham, uh, the the five star. You know, Tristan Lee, <laughs> the the five star from Virginia. You know, wasn't there like a bunch of Tristan to the Lee? Lee to the U. Lee to the U. That's what it was. Like, man, I, I asked and people are like, yeah, man, like we'd love to, to, <laughs> to get him, but we haven't even talked with him. So I just, sometimes I wonder like, where does that stuff start? Um, yeah, you know, maybe it's, it's all an, fun. It's an it's echo. Ch- fun. Yeah. A- an echo chamber. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, Michael McLaughlin kid. They loved, you know, Butch Berry, I think for as much as pushback as, as he, God or, or the, the bad taste he left in fans' mouths. Like, if Michael McLaughlin turns into a pro or a starter, like, Butch right. Berry deserves a ton of credit. You know, remember, I guess, two summers ago, yep. uh, seven-on-seven tournaments at, at the U, and McLaughlin was, like, playing tight end, and Butch Berry was just standing around. I think he was bored, and he's like, hey, kid, come here, and I'm going to put you through some offensive line drills. And, you know, that kid finishes as a four-star recruit. Hadn't played much of any offensive line. So he's one they always liked. Um, you know, Austin Barber, he was a guy that got involved with late. Mm-hmm. The understanding was if Florida offered, he the, the Gators were going to be harder to beat. And, and that's where Barber ended up signing. Um, but I do think, like, I'm not saying Miami moved on or anything like that, but that's he's another one of those kids where it got to a point where it's like, I I think Miami just kind of threw in the towel and was like, all right, we're going to use this counter elsewhere. Um, But he, I was always a fan of him. You know, I, I I moved him up in the rankings. I think he would have been um, an interesting get, you know, Marcus Tate is someone they chipped away at like so, so long. Um, I think they felt like, when there was the the Black Lives Matters protests and all that, and, and Marcus Tate was very involved in all that, and I think Miami tried to maybe angle that in some way, you know, stay home, play for Manny Diaz, this coach that is going to let you express your voice and all that, and I I think they tried, they tried, they tried, and it just wasn't 
wasn't going to happen, but, um, you know, that's, that's what, that's a big fish they swung at for, for a long time. And then eventually just kind of got to the point where it was like, all right, uh, this, this isn't going to happen. Um, one more note on the offensive line, you know, I, I, I think, I don't even know if you know who this kid is, David, but Ar- Ar- Armand Bethia, he, he's a offensive tackle out of New York. He ended up signing with Arizona state. Like Miami could have definitely got him if they wanted him, they, they yeah. offered him. I don't think it was a, you know, legit, legit offer. Um, it's more like come camp. Uh, but right. I, I ran into him at the FBU all American bowl. I want to say his younger brother was playing in it and the kid was wearing a Miami shirt. So it'll be interesting to see like, you know, a couple of years from now, you know, who, who made the right evaluation and if that was the, the right move to, to uh, go in the other direction. Last thing, and we've talked about this, but Ryan Rodriguez, I think that was another good early evaluation, right? By Garen Justice. Didn't he offer him early, early on after randomly seeing him? Um, yeah, yeah, like first day. Like, yeah. I, I think Garen was probably like still staying in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I, I don't even think like he had a, you know, like residence yet and, and went and watched. Miami Columbus workout and yeah like I didn't realize how good Ryan was until you kind of dug into him um mm-hmm. yeah but that that was a good one D-line 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 where do I start <laughs> um Pat Payton what happened there I think there was some concerns about frame okay get that up front you know, they liked him. I think Manny deep down is always going to want to take a South Florida kid if it makes sense. Sure. And they just couldn't figure out the numbers, you know, like I, I, I legitimately, you know, look, they had to take, they knew they were going to lose the guys in the NFL. I mean, Miami was projecting this like before. Yes. Like, so this would have been in like what September they're yeah. kind of like, hey, man, like Jalen Phillips, we think is going pro. And like, I just kind of bit my tongue on that. I'm like, I'm not going to throw that <laughs> out there. And then, you know, look, now he's probably going to be a first round pick. Uh, but they thought he was going to go pro. Um, I I guess like the biggest nugget, I don't even know if I've written this. Miami had Greg Russo on the phone with Dallas Turner like two days before the early signing period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they thought they had a chance there. I mean, I don't think you're going to pull an upset on Alabama, but um, he's one that they, you know, again, kept swinging away. And I'm sure there's going to be people in the comments of this podcast. Like, I don't want to hear about all these, you know, battles that Miami lost or finishing second. I'm just, I'm just, this is what you guys want. So I'm giving it to you. Uh, the, 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 you know, how, how, the, <laughs> how it's all made Keanu Coat. Another defensive end from the Vero Beach area. He ended up signing with Alabama. Longtime LSU commit. Um, there was a, at one point, maybe it was during the summer, or like actually during the season. Someone was like, "Hey, yeah, we're still talking with Keanu Coat." I was like, "What?" Like <laughs> just because I didn't, you know. I mean, but he did visit early on a, a, as a kid, so they 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 maintained contact there. Um, let me scroll through the list. Was there anything notable about Leonard Taylor? Or was that kind of just a deal where it's like, yeah, he just mama's boy that wants to stay close to home. I think that's it. Like, but you know, you never really know 
<laughs> on that high profile right of a recruit you're like is this is this real um and i i definitely think the pandemic helped with them yeah. you know it's, todd stroud did a good job but i mean i don't really think it mattered who the defensive line coach was going to be i think just leonard's kind of attracted to the system um right yeah but i mean there's nothing what about the uh who what his, I'm blanking on his name, the Louisiana D tackle. I mean, you, you would kind of set that up in oh. podcast during the cycle, Mason Smith. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I, I feel like I, I've said this before, but yeah, there's people like, <laughs> I, I've heard this from all different sides. Like it's only Alabama is going to get a, get a kid out of Louisiana. Like right. Louisiana is going to keep, keep the, their top guys home and, you know, I, I think a young Andrew Ivins when I first got into this business would have been like, yo, Miami's got a chance here. Miami's got a chance here. But you, once you've been doing this for so long, you're just like, no, like, yeah, this isn't happening. Uh, and who, I, like, I think if it was a regular cycle, he would have absolutely took an official visit. And right. I, I would have wrote a story about oh, Miami thinks they got a chance and it's going good. But, you know, it just, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are like the battles that like Miami needs to keep with kids home sure it's like where it's like all right like no this kid's gonna go to miami and like right. leonard taylor i guess would be an example of that but yeah you know, miami needs to find that um you know like just looking at some of the other offers and i'm just not gonna toss names out because i don't want to do that but you know i think miami offered some of these kids and then once they saw senior tape they're like they just weren't like really about it and mm -hmm. and, and I do think they made some some good, you know, kind of choices uh, on the defensive line, and you know we'll see. And they keep supplementing with the portal, and uh, you know there there's staffers that really really like Alan Hay. I'll, I'll say that they think he um, has a lot of potential. Linebacker slash striker. Oh God. There's not much the, there, really. Uh, well, I'll keep the theme going of guys that they kept talking to after their said kid committed to another school, like Jaden Hood, um, right. St. Thomas Aquinas kid, signed with Michigan. Like I think Miami could have got. I think they could have flipped him if they wanted to flip him, but it never seemed like they wanted to. Um, Terrence Lewis, man, that was. Oh yeah, Terrence. God, that was something else, and we've probably even gone. What do you that. make of that? Like, had. Because uh, it seemed like he was signed with Maryland the whole time. Do you think that's what happened or not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just think like. So he this. was he I'll was say. purposefully, uh, you know, messing around with the Miami staff to make them think he was still open. But right? I don't even I don't even know if it's that. Like if you've ever interacted with Terrence Lewis, like again, people are like, oh my God, how much how happy are you to be done covering that recruitment? Like Terrence was always nice to me. Like yeah, there's yeah. been there's been kids in the past who I've been like, this kid doesn't want to give me the time of day, which is fine. Sure. Um, you know, he was always nice to me, like communicated up front, like I don't know. I just think he's also the type of person that like could do something like doesn't even know what he's doing and, and, and all that. Um, and you got all these people. But he like, initiated, did he not? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, 
I think so. Once Jake Garcia committed, he kind of reached out. Right. And, and Miami was working back channels and look, they were never all in on him. Like there was, uh, ne- they were never all in on him. And it, there's someone in the, in the South Florida football scene. That's not on a college staff or anything. And, you know, they just, I'll never forget uh, one time I called about Terrence Lewis and they're like, man, he's just, you know, like he's just so he's a loose cannon. He's going to do anything. And I think I've been, you know, like at one point I, my like I knew Maryland was going to be the pick and like my my confidence score on the crystal ball was like a two it's like because he could do anything you know <laughs> right um what was I going to say about him I had I had a nugget what was it you ruined you ruined <laughs> my train of thought meeting with Tennessee or the other schools that were circling <laughs> oh man it was a good it was good. It was good. Oh, if you want to know how crazy like the recruiting industry is. So the day that T2 announced, remember he was on the Ar- Army All-American mm-hmm. Bowl special? Right. I'll just say this. Someone in, that would know that is close to Terrence Lewis approaches me at a seven-on-seven tryout. And they're like, where do you think Terrence is going? I'm like, I think he's going to Maryland. He's like, nah, man. He's going to Miami. I'm like, Okay. How do you know that? He's like, just trust me. He's going to Miami. I'm going over his house right after this. And he started showing me all these text messages saying this kid's going to Miami. And I never <laughs> once wrote like, hey, like this kid's going to Miami. Like you just kind of got to stick with your yeah. stick with your guns there. Like I don't know if this person was pers- like trying to throw me off the scent or, or whatever. Like I was just like, okay, I got in my car, you know, like sent a few texts and I'm like, I – you know, did I potentially maybe have a Terrence Lewis to Miami story ready? Yeah, sure. But like, I'm, I sure. thought, I, I thought it was Maryland and like, dude, that's just how crazy it can get in, in this industry. And like, I mean, you try to be as accurate as you can, man, but there's people that want to see you fail or, or be wrong. Yeah. It's that. And it's just the nature of recruiting. Like that's what makes it so interesting to follow is a guy can two minutes before he announces something, change his mind. Now that might not have been the case with Terrence because it seems like he was already signed, sealed, and delivered. But a lot of times, like it, what's crazy about recruiting is they have, you know, two or three years to go through the process and they flip-flop. A lot of times, a lot of recruits flip-flop uh, back and forth six times in the last 24 hours. And that's what makes it interesting to follow and report on. <laughs> All right. Anything else to linebacker? I mean, it's Chase Smith. That was kind of that was kind of straightforward, right? I mean, yeah. Miami yeah. legacy. Deshaun Troutman. That was kind of like an early eval, right? It was. It was. You know, I'll say this. I think I, I just I would love to see the reaction of when those when 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 Troutman and like Thomas Davis show up on campus because Miami never saw them. Like never saw them, right. never sized them up. I just wanted to, I, w- I would love to know if they, like, that's what they thought they were getting. And I'm not saying like, you know, <laughs> like. You're just I, saying the size isn't. Yeah. And like. Prototypical. Like, I think Thomas Davis can have a good career at, at, at yeah. Miami. I think Deshaun Troutman can find a role, but you know, these are what you would consider like pandemic takes, right? 
yeah, undersized guys, right? Which, you know, again, they can be productive, but, uh, you know, you want to bring in more prototypical guys than not. And I think Miami did, but those two you named definitely would fall on kind of the undersized side of things. Right. Right. And it, you know, I, I'm, I'm planning to hopefully write at some point uh, for the, on the national side of my new role, like edge rushers under six, two are like in right now in the NFL. So and Thomas, da- Thomas Davis kind of fills that role. Um, all right, let's, let's breeze through these defensive backs corner. I mean, the greatest hits let's get to it. Uh where do you want to start? I mean, everyone's going to expect some like long, lengthy Jason Marshall <laughs> story, right? Haven't we already told it? I don't know, to be honest. I want to say yes, but let's just do it anyways. All right. I mean, look, I always kind of thought like it was Florida for him. Right. You know, Manny, I don't even remember what month this is. <laughs> it was like May or June, I want to say. Yeah, puts right? out puts out the atomic bomb tweet, right? Yeah, like and he so it's an atomic bomb, uh, gif or gif. I don't, I still don't know how to say that. Gif, bro, with the crystal ball emoji, right? So this is like high level trolling, right? He's basically saying I'm blowing up the crystal ball. Right. So you you do your digging, and what what do you find out? Not even me. Like Steve Wilfong's also like blowing up my phone and and all that. And it's like, you know, Miami is under the impression that Jason Marshall's in, and he's going to announce. And you know, I think there was some miscommunication um, on Miami's side of things with with Jason Marshall. Like I don't, you know, maybe someone misinterpreted, um, you know what was being relayed from Jason and his parents to Miami. Uh, and, and then, you know, no commitment came. And then you're kind of like, all right, like <laughs> what's going on. And like, there was a hurricane that weekend, wasn't there like a tropical storm? I think you're right. Yeah. There was a storm. I remember at one point I was, someone was like, Oh, the, the family's just waiting for the storm to pass. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, um, Look, and then he eventually commits to Florida. Uh, was that a week later? The too, though, was, and this is all from Miami's side of things, right? So Miami was under the impression he told them he's, he's coming, right? Right. Who knows if that actually happened or there was a miscommunication or whatever. But that was the impression Miami was under. It was also believed that the second school was Alabama, correct? Yes. So something really got misinterpreted or something really changed with, with Florida landing that commitment. Um, and well, again, I, mean, I mean, they do a good job at recruiting. It's not like Florida can't, can't recruit. Like, I mean, you know, sure. they, they, they get the job done. Um, and then like, I, I think a few days after, you know, he didn't commit, like you asked again and they're like, Oh, this thing's probably going to go the distance. I was like, okay. <laughs> and just out of out of nowhere and you know what changed or whatnot like to me i think i've said this in the past like jason reminds me a lot of chris henderson and i de- i guess i should have you know put the two and two together from the jump like they are very similar personality wise and i think you know i don't uh, that's not the reason why he went to florida but i do think that played a factor um yeah 
Do you see like Florida listed him at like six four too? Yeah, is that real? No, I mean unless he grew, like I don't, I don't think he's that tall. I mean, I do. He is a stud, right? Like yeah, that would have been real. a monster get for Miami. Huge get. Yeah. Um, and I think they 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 continue to try to work him. Uh, but when I saw his dad at some Miami Palmetto game in all Florida gear, I'm like, you guys just need to just move on. Correct. Yeah. It's again, this is the interesting part of trying to cover recruiting, right? Um, you gotta, you gotta go with the information you get, you got sometimes. And unfortunately for whatever reason, it seemed like the Miami information was not on point, <laughs> yeah. right? From the Miami side of things. So do, do you think the crystal ball was the reason to blame? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that's, yeah, we've addressed that already. You're just reporting what, what Miami's informing you and you're reacting to that Manny Diaz tweet. So, yeah. Um, some other big like corners that I guess we should mention, you know, Nathaniel Wiggins who flipped from LSU to Clemson, mm-hmm. Miami is low key involved in that ended up finishing second. Um, but the man leading the charge was Demarcus Van Dyke, not Mike Rump. Um, I had someone close to Wiggins tell me the day T-Rob was hired that Nathaniel Wiggins would have been at Miami if that hired had happened sooner. Ooh. Like, you know, I mean, but interesting. You know, that's a month difference apart, but that's just sure. the the impact T-Rob can have. Uh Isaiah Johnson, you remember him? He was like a kid out of West Virginia. Uh yeah. Came down, visited for one of the only seven on seven tournaments that took place uh, last year, you know, Miami liked him, um, but they just got some, some bad reports. I I always ask them like, what does that mean? Never got an answer. Um, So they kind of crossed him off the board. He ended up signing with Arizona state. Uh, Demarius McGee, I think is someone Mm -hmm. they were like late to offer him. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think Tennessee already had his commitment, right? But Miami, like all that Tennessee stuff you could see was coming. Yeah. And then the, I think Miami kind of tried to get ahead of that next wave, right? Yeah. I mean, he, like, I don't know. To me, once we kind of found him and, and did a deep dive on him and like moved him into the top 24 seven, like he's a no brainer. Like, I just, yeah. It's kind of puzzling to me how more schools weren't on him. Um, and I will say though, like, I do think, Marcus Van Dyke in the 22 cycle is actually like building out a board from the jump, which is going to be different than things have been in the years past. Um, some other ones on here, Jaden McBurrows. <laughs> Look, man, he like told Miami he was coming. Right. I think at multiple points, like, um, God, I want to say it was like the Thanksgiving ish. Yeah. Right? Th- the day before or after Thanksgiving, like I talked to someone, they're like, yo, Jaden told the staff he's coming. And like, I, I, I mean, I never, did I even put in a crystal ball pick for that? Like, no, no. Like, I, was, I was just like, I don't, all right, we'll see it. Um, and then he ended up sticking with Michigan. He, he claims that's because Michigan was on him from the jump. You know, who knows? I do think it'd be maybe a different story if, T. Rob was in there. Markevious Brown, remember him? Uh, IMG yep. corner out of Pahokee. You know, I, I think Miami like 
liked him. They felt like he was someone they could get. And then questions became began to arise about just his upside and, and you know, maybe he wasn't elite. Uh, he ended up signing with Ole Miss. You know, Miami really backed off there. Um, that's kind of it on the on the corners. Tavares Dawson, he just wanted to play receiver, right? And Miami never really pushed all that hard because they knew that. I don't know. Like I just, I just don't think they were sold in him. I think they thought he was a little, little too similar to Malik Curtis, maybe. Um, but I would. I mean, me and you would have taken. Dawson, Dawson over Curtis all day, every day. And then safety. Is there anything, anything interesting with the James Williams um, stuff? Cause you know, that was surprising when it did happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think Miami was in- anticipating that. I remember I, about a week before it went all down or, or two weeks, I, I went and interviewed James, you know, maybe technically I wasn't supposed to be there. It was hard of the pandemic and, <laughs> like watched him or a little Jacoby spells workout. Marvin Jones was there. Like at the time he wasn't what he is now. And like, I talked to James and he was, like, he, he was like lighting up talking about Miami, but it's like, man, like Miami's been in this spot so many right. times before for a kid to go somewhere else. And, you know, the week before, like he was rumored to be up in Georgia in Athens. Yeah, uh, he was. Yeah. And then I think it just caught Miami off guard. Like I think, from my understanding, he legitimately just called up Manny Diaz and was like, yep, I'm ready to commit. And Miami was like, whoa. And, and like, that's, <laughs> you know, that's how you beat the crystal ball. Like everyone had it on Georgia. Yeah. Um, so that, You that's, and I were like, whoa, because it happened, what, at like 9 p.m. on a random night? Yeah. That was probably one of the more fun commitments, I would think, right? Yeah, for sure. Just like covering it, like. I don't know. I get like juices flowing when there's like news. Oh yeah. It's fun. Um, and, uh, and Cam Kitchens, that the thing I remember about that one, it was probably closer with Auburn than people realize. Fair to say. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, DVD played a big role in that one as well. Ephraim Bonda did as well. You know, I, yeah, I, I think maybe again, different stories. He can get back up to Auburn. Um, and just kind of looking at the safety board. I mean, once they got those two in the boat, they were they were essentially done. Um, you know, Jardin Gilbert was a kid they liked out of Louisiana. Um, he ended up signing with Texas A and M. Kind of so, kind of there. And then, are we missing anyone else? Well, the kicker Borgales, he he sniffed around with North Carolina a little bit. I forgot about that. But Crazy. they squashed that. I don't know the story there. I mean. Did Big Bro talk to him, or what do you think happened I, I, there? I never got a story on that, but I, I would think so. I mean, yeah, you know, we'll see. That kind of wraps things up, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's all I got. Maybe if I think of anything else, like I'll put it in the message in the board in the thread. I mean, hopefully that was what people were looking for. You know, maybe I wish it was I had. a different cycle, right? Because we didn't have visits, a lot of drama and a lot of stories come out of visits, right? Right. And right. we didn't have that this cycle. So, you know, it's probably drier compared to other years, but it is interesting hearing like the various targets Miami thought they could get or were talking to behind the scenes, et cetera, et cetera. Let me ask you this before we before we get you out of here for good. My fi- my final sign off. Final sign off. 
So you took over, you started doing Miami 2016, correct? Like Mark Rick's first year. Do I have that right? Correct. First Paradise Camp was my first like week on the job at Paradise Camp. What is your impression on and, and just recruiting, like where things are with recruiting from when you took over then uh, to where you're kind of leaving things now? Do you, do you feel good about Miami's plan? You know, what they're, what they're trying to do big picture wise with recruiting. Do you feel better about it than when you first got here? Same or worse? Uh, same. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go same. Okay. I think, I think like the difference between, and this just, you know, I'm not trying to step on anyone here or anything like that. Like, but looking back and like being removed a few, few years later, like, dude, man, Rick had like a really good staff, like yeah, of assistant coaches and, yeah. you know, or like experienced coaches, proven guys, proven guys. And like, I mean, you know, I, which class is better, the the 2021 class or, or the 2018 class? I think the 2018 class is the first true class for yeah. Mark Richt, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and like, man, that class was just so national. And it was like, they were just in it for like so many dudes. Um, and maybe it's just because I was like new to the beat, but like that was pretty impressive what they did then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like Manny now is – He's trying to keep more of these guys home. Like, I think Rick was like more about like, let's just take this U brand and, and go and get what we can and, and all that. Um, so we'll see. Like, I, I, I think, you know, it's, I think Gabby's going to have fun covering um, the defensive recruiting potential with DVD, T Rob, uh, Aristad, um, all those guys. Like, I guess I'm not, you know, I think it's the same, but I could de- definitely see them kicking it to another level, uh, potentially in the, in the next year or two. That's just kind of that's kind of how I feel about it. But man, like I go back to, you know, like Todd Harley was such a good recruiter. Um, you know, maybe maybe like those other guys weren't the best of recruiters, but like they just kind of got guys. Like, yeah, I think I think Rick was good too. Like at at the front end, the back end, like I don't think he really cared but maybe he was hungry yeah yeah like right yeah do you just remember him like sitting in the golf cart with josh job all the time (laughs) yeah i think he did uh he petered out a little bit at the end but yeah early ricked you know i had no issues with his recruiting um what about like the trajectory of miami right like with like do you think name image and likeness and the you know let's say a one-time free transfer thing happens with the transfer portal does that help Miami more than other schools in your opinion? Yes. And last thing, I promise <laughs> 2022 recruit from a Miami perspective, you are circling this player as a guy. All right. If, if Miami's recruiting at, at a high level, they are landing this player. Who would that player be? Let me look at the target list. <laughs> it's gotta be a D lineman, right? Uh, or a corner uh, like all right can i start off with like a guy like i just think they gotta get like in my opinion like they have to get wesley bistain the linebacker to miami central agreed like if they don't get him and like i'm not the type of person that's like it's a bad sign correct 
Um, so like if Miami gets this kid, like they, they've cranked it to the next level is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I can go in so many directions here. Um, Let's go rock the boat. Let's go put the expectations up there. I think like you can make a case for Marvin Jones. Yes. Um, I was hoping you'd say him, you know, someone was asking me the other day, like what, what's going on there? Like, I just don't think the SEC sunk, sunk their teeth into him yet. Um, I think it's a good, all right, let me, let me, let me, let me say this. It would be a good promising sign if they go and beat Ole Miss for Kamari Rogers in July. Ooh, that's fair. Yeah. Like, that would be kind of circling back to that 2016, 2017. Hey, we're going to go in national battles. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if they have to do that, but that would be impressive to me. If, if it gets to it and they can't get this kid, it would be a bad sign. That kid would be Jacoby. Jacoby spells the corner out of American heritage. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they should be able to get him. If they can't get him, then that is a sign of bad things. That's, you think, my, that's my take. What are the chances Miami lands at least one of Shamar Stewart, Marvin Jones, or Kenyatta Jackson? Is that hmm. going to be really hard to do? Just one of those guys. Well, I think Kamari, or Kenyatta can end up at Clemson. That's where I think he's probably leaning right now. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Shamar. Yeah, like I think it's realistic. I don't know if they're going to do it. Yeah. Recruiting never stops. It's always interesting. Dude, we've got right, man. We've gone long. This is like two and a half hours. It's been fun. Uh, this is a goodbye, but we will <laughs> we we'll still have you on. And uh, again, appreciate all the good times and the good shows. And uh, you'll crush it on your next duties. Yeah, I mean, I do have to give a shout out to like through the smoke nation. I've ran into. Yeah. Listeners at like different points in the most random places. Um, I guess maybe like I wish I had stories. Like I I can't remember what game I'm at. I hope this guy's listening, but it was like some referee like came up to me and was talking to me. I'm like, what is this guy gonna say? And he's like, Oh, I listen to your podcast. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> um and it's just funny, like people in my life will be like, Oh, you know, I, 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 they listen to you on your, on your podcast. So I, I do appreciate all the support. Yeah. Um, the podcast medium is powerful, man. Like I've been doing this for 13 years and I get way more compliments on the podcast than anything I write. Dude, there's, there's maybe more. Maybe I'm demand. a terrible writer, but <laughs> like we, we didn't do podcasts. I mean, we we're kind of like spinning tires. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, and maybe that's why we didn't do as many episodes as we, as we did. But like the demand for podcasts was, yeah, was through the roof. And I'm sure you guys and you and Chris will crush it and maybe we'll figure out something where I'm on. Yep. Talking we'll have recruiting. fun. But uh, all right, signing off for the last time. Take care, man. <laughs>